0: I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, if you will, Hebrews chapter four, <coughs> and we will get to the passage in just a bit. Um, I want to begin with an illustration, and uh, I'll share with you how I got there, um, just so that it all makes <clears throat> more sense, but uh, I don't know what you've been doing for the last several weeks, but um, I've been involved in some things with the church. Of course, they put the roof on the, the buildings, so thankful for that. All of our buildings have matching roofs now. Uh, the main building, the, the old building, and the uh, shed in the back all have the same kind of shingles on them. And we are set there for uh, probably twenty more years before we have to deal with that. Um, Normally, a 20-year shingle will last about 14 or 15 years. Uh, these are supposed to be 30-year shingles, so hopefully they'll last 20 years. But anyway, so um, I've been involved in some of those kinds of things. I've done some stuff around the house, yard work, that kind of stuff. But, but beyond that, we're really kind of limited. There's not a whole lot more that you can do. So i spent a lot of time thinking and doing some Uh, reading and studying, and and, uh, and then I also have decided, because I've got three sons and three daughters-in-law, and I have ten grandchildren, and those ten grandchildren know me, all of them, they recognize me, even the smallest one, and uh, we enjoy being around all of them, But all they know about me is what they have seen since they've been alive and since they've been old enough to understand what's going on. So, and I've been thinking about this for some time. I've talked to my wife about it, and she has kind of encouraged me. Uh, I would like for my kids to know something about what happened before they knew me. I've got very little information about my grandparents. I know about my parents from what the stories I heard them tell, whatever life, that kind of thing. But uh, so anyway, I am writing down information about what happened to me in the past. My wife says I'm writing my memoirs. (laughs) That sounds like something no person would do. I'm not sure if I like that terminology or not. But I guess that's what I'm doing. There's a difference between an autobiography and memoirs. (laughs) Autobiography just is a chronological timeline of events that happen in your life. Memoirs have stories of about things that occurred when you were younger. So that's what I'm doing. And uh, I'm uh, writing it primarily for them. They're they're going to be the ones who are going to read my kids, my grandkids, my family, that kind of thing. And uh, nobody else would be interested in knowing what happened with me. But uh, but at this point, I am in uh, my college years. Um, I've got three chapters done so far. First chapter is entitled "Useless Background Information." Not anything there much interest, you know. But, but anyway, it's where I grew up and the places I lived that kind of thing. Then uh, in my in the tenth grade. Uh, the Lord began dealing with my heart, and so uh that that chapter, the second chapter, is the time my spiritual journey begins. The third chapter has to do with preparing for ministry. It's the time that I spent at Bob Jones. And um, I graduated from Bob Jones in 1972, went in 1968, and went with nothing. I had nothing. Uh my youth pastor, Ron Riley, came over to my house, talked to my parents, and talked them into letting me enroll at Bob Jones University, even though we had no way to pay for them. Mm. There were not any kind of grants or federal aids for uh, Christians at a Christian school that was right. unaccredited at that time. We didn't <clears> have <having throat> any resources like that. Uh, but my parents said, okay, we'll let them go, and uh, the idea was I would trust the Lord. Now my parents did what they could to help me, and I'm grateful for that. But it was very limited. I worked uh, on campus and off campus, did all kinds of things to, to try to get my school bill paid. Uh, ended up not being able to accomplish that while I was in school. Had a pretty significant uh, debt when I came out of school. Uh, took me, I guess, probably eight or ten years to pay it off. But paid the entire amount off. And, but the point is, I managed to go to Bob Jones four years. Went, went there didn't have anything. Didn't know how I was going to manage. But God took care of it. The Lord took care of it. I learned a, a, a very important lesson, and this is, uh, the, the background of what I'm, I'm going to preach today. But in my junior year, um, at the end of the first semester, I got a phone call from my mom and she said, son, it looks like probably at the end of this semester, you're going to have to come home. And uh, she said, we are not going to be able to continue what we've been doing. We've been trying and we've been asking the Lord to help and he has helped, but at this point, we're not in a situation to continue doing that. And I remember saying to her, well, Mom, if, if you and Dad don't mind, I understand that that may be the case. and That's fine. But I'd like to say, because I believe the Lord will take care of it anyway. Well, that was in January. Back then, the semester broke in January. So it was after Christmas break. I'd gone back to school and I'd gotten a phone call. And, uh, but I was, I was distraught. I didn't know what I was going to do. I got done talking to my mom. It was on a, a phone at the top of the stairways in the hallway. And, uh, and I went back to my room. I got my mom, went to the third floor, and at the far end of the hall on the third floor, on the right hand side, was a room that would normally be furnished as a, as a dormitory room. Uh, normal rooms had beds and them, that kind of thing. This one didn't have any beds. All it had was chairs lining around the outside of the room. And the sign on the door said prayer room. And so I took my Bible and I went in that room and I got on my knees, one of those chairs, and I began to pray. And I said, Lord, I believe you called me to preach. I think that's what you want me to do. I believe this is where you want me to get my training. And, uh, and I'm going to finish you. And I don't know how I'm going to do it because I can't take care of that need. My parents are not able to take care of that need. I need the money to be able to pay what is necessary so that I can stay when the second semester begins. And uh, and I read and I prayed and I read and I prayed. And and I came to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. And the Bible says there, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And as I read that verse, and I'm, I'm praying and reading the verse, and, uh, and all of a sudden I realized that my greatest need is not the money to be able to stay in school. That's the thing I was looking for. That's what I was praying God would give me. But it was almost like the Lord said, you're asking for the wrong thing. Because this verse doesn't say anything about getting what we want from God. Hmm. It says, let us come boldly under the throne of grace. We never take mercy by grace to help in time of need. Now, we'll get into this in a moment. We'll get into the message. But but the Lord gave me an assurance on that Friday afternoon, that everything was going to be okay. And, and I, it's, it, it's the first time in my life as a believer that I had gotten that kind of peace from the Lord. I went from being full of anxiety and wondering, how am I going to make it? How is this going to work? Am I going to have to go home? Can I, am I going to be able to stay? The Lord just gave me peace. Olympians. Olympians chapter 4, it says, mm-hmm. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known of God, and the peace of God, which hath passed all understanding should keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Over. And I got that peace. I got up, off of my knees, and I uh, went from my Bible back to my room, I went to supper, they enjoyed my supper, and when supper got done, I went over to the stadium and watched the soccer game, had a good time. I went from being filled with anxiety and almost despairing to being at perfect peace. At rest, I was absolutely certain that everything was going to be okay. Now, once you look at it, Hebrews chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to begin with verse 14. Because uh, verse 16 says, let us therefore come bold. The word therefore means there's something in front of it that helps us understand the verse that we're looking at. So verse 14, and, and verse 14 starts out the same way, seeing men, then that we have a great high priest. We're not going to read all of chapter 4. But uh, I want you to see, verse 14, seeing then. That we have a great high priest. Now, let's where it all begins. Who is it that is in control? Who who is it that's taking care of us and taking care of our situation? Now, we're not able to meet together because of this infectious disease, COVID 19 It's got everybody got everybody uh, almost scared to go outside. Uh, it's just a uh, it's just, it's unreal. It's a, a surreal situation. Uh, people not working. Uh, people not sure if they go outside and don't want to touch anything. And, uh, and I believe in washing your hands, you know, and, and that kind of thing. But, but we're doing a lot more of it than we used to. Uh, hand sanitizer, you know, take a bath and hand sanitizer when you come out of the grocery store. Uh all kinds of things like that. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of the uncertainty, and in the midst of the the apparent danger associated with this disease, we need to remember that we have a great high priest. Amen. He's in control. He is the the sovereign king of the universe. He's the sovereign God of eternity. And he is the one. That we know that is there to help us and to meet our needs. Um, We sing that song, I'm his and he is mine. Uh, That's a wonderful truth. But I am, I am, he is mine because I'm his. He he received me. He talked about receiving Christ. We trusted him, but he received me as his child. And as such, he takes care of us. But uh, this evening we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as We are yet without sin. Let us therefore, since that's true, since we do have this high priest, and since he does know what we're going through, Therefore, let us let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need, find grace to help in time of need. Three things I want you to see. One, first of all, we have a high priest who provides for us security. Again, verse number 14, seeing that we have a, a great high priest that's passed from the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We do not have to worry about our position spiritually. If you have put your trust in Christ, and that only happens when you when you determine you need a Savior, and when you get saved, when you put your trust in Christ, three things happen. You reconcile to God, you are redeemed from your sin, and you are regenerated. The new, you, you have new life that comes within you but uh but we have that assurance and we are to the bible says hold fast our profession you know in the midst of all that's going on here we need to remember that we are believers again that god's in control i don't need to have questions about what's going to happen um I mentioned that when I got done in that prayer room, the Lord gave me peace. If, if we trust God like we're supposed to, then God will give us peace in the midst of this as well. But we, but we can hold fast to our profession for two reasons. Notice what it says. Again, first is because of who it is that has hold of us. Jesus, the Son of God. Uh, and secondly, because of what he's done for us. The Bible says he is a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven today, Amen. interceding for us. Amen. So what happened? How did he get there? Well he came to this earth. He lived a sinless life, he became a man and lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was buried, rose the third day, and appeared to many, and then Went to heaven, and he sits in the right hand of the Father. So because we know that, because we have trust in him, we can hold fast to our profession. We want to have doubts. Amen. And that assurance ought to give us rest in this situation that we're dealing with now. Notice verse 15. Not only does he provide for us security, he offers to us sympathy. Look at verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Not only has our high priest redeemed us and given us new life and made us his own, but he knows us in a very, very personal way. And he knows what we're going through. Now if you get, you know, when I was in school, we would have these theological discussions. Never mind that great theological minds for centuries had debated these subjects. Never mind that they could not come to a conclusion about what was right or what was wrong, whether or not this part was true, this part was true. There, there's some things that are that are just not clear. And so they, they debate. But we Young theologians, uh, brilliant theologians <laughs> that we were, felt like we maybe had more wisdom than they had, so we could talk about it and we could, we could get it all right. But if you get around preachers for any length of time, they start discussing controversial subjects, somewhere they may, it, it may come up to this discussion about the humanity of Christ, and uh, God. Jesus was all God, 100% God, but he's also 100% man. And then the question comes up, the Bible says that he was tempted in all points like this. We are yet without sin. And somebody, somebody will say, well, the truth is Jesus could not have sinned. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Is that true? It is true. Somebody else will say, well, he could have sinned, he just didn't. Think about that for a moment. Is that true? It's true too. See, the problem is, we have to try to make it one way or the other. But as God, God cannot sin. God is righteous and just and pure and holy. God cannot sin because it's not in his character to sin. But Jesus was not only God, he was also man. Can man sin? Well, you better believe it. We have proven that by all of us individually, ex- extensively. I mean, it's very obvious that we can say And the Bible says that he, we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. It says he was in all points tempted like as we are. He dealt with the same things that we deal with. He did not sin. There's a difference between being tempted and succumbing to that temptation. Our problem is not that we are tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. The sin is to yield to the temptation. Jesus dealt with the temptations, won the victory, and remained without sin. But the point of the verse is he knows what we're going through. Mm-hmm. So he knows about our challenge through his personal experience, but then he knows us too. Mm-hmm. He knows that we are, we are but flesh. We are humans. We don't have the ability in our flesh to overcome sin. We were born in sin. It's part of our nature. It's who we are. We can't get over that. So the truth is, Jesus has sympathy for us. He he has given us security, but he knows how to sympathize with us. He knows the battles that we're going through. And he is concerned about us. And then there's a third thing, and that is he hears our supplication. And that's verse 16. Since we have a high priest who has purchased our redemption and who has given us that assurance, we are not going to face the penalty of our sin. He's already taken care of that. Since we have a high priest who has given us that security, since we have a high priest who knows what we're going through, we can come out. We can come boldly. Under the throne of grace. Now. That does not mean. That we can. Say Lord. Alright. This is what I want. And I'm expecting you to do it. And it needs to be done by 5 o'clock this afternoon. Right. That's not what that means. No. It does not mean. That we can go to the Lord. And say. You're obligated to me do what I want you to do. When it says we can come boldly to the throne of grace, it says that we can find mercy number one and we can find grace to help in time of need. Those two things you know what our greatest needs are? The greatest need we have is for God to be merciful to us. You read through the book of Psalms. You look at all the Psalms that David wrote and others. And you'll find over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again. They emphasize the fact that God is merciful. I'm so thankful for God's mercy. If God was not merciful, then we would be paid for our sin today. If God was not merciful our lives would be much more challenging than they are. Hmm. I'm so glad that God is the one who is in control of my destiny and not fellow humans. Because you know what? Humans are not so commercial. I mean, humans catch you in a mistake or you you do something that you should not have done. You you may have done it unintentionally, but you do it Accidentally, but it doesn't matter. You're guilty, and you've got to pay for it, and they're going to demand their out of flesh. We have done far worse to our God, and God chooses still to be merciful. Our greatest need is God's mercy, our second greatest need is God's grace. And 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 the Bible says, verse 16 says. We may obtain mercy, and we may find grace to help in time of need. When I was praying in that that room, that that prayer room, and I was asking the Lord to give me, to, to somehow give me the money that I needed. When I left that room, I did not have any assurance regarding the money. It was not a situation where I got and said, okay... I know it's coming. The Lord's going to take care of the money. That's not what it was. What happened was I realized that I didn't need to worry about the money because the Lord knew I had that need. You know what I needed to worry about was being where God wanted me me to be, doing what God wanted me to do. Amen. If I am united to Him, if I'm seeking His guidance, if I'm doing my best to do his will and to honor him, then he's going to provide everything I need to be able to make that That's right. Make that happen. And so I, I got up trusting him, and I got up thinking, you know what? Everything is going to be okay because he's in control, and I'm where he wants me to be, and I'm doing what he wants me to do, and my desire is to do his will so he's going to take care of the needs that I have. Amen. And I have peace in my heart. During this time, we're going through this time of intermission, time when we can, when we can rest in the Lord. We need to have absolute confidence in our whole fast, our profession. God's in control. He's going to take care of things. We need to, to realize God knows what's going on, and He's sympathetic with what we're dealing with. And we need to know that we can pray and God will give us the grace that we need to deal with what's going on. Now there's something else that I, that I wanted to, to emphasize this morning that fits here. And it has to do with the thing that ties all three of these, these things together. Our security, uh, our his sympathy for us, his the security, security gives us, the sympathy he offers us, and then he hears our supplication. What ties those three things together? Well, that is our faith, our trust, our belief. And it's very important that we understand that in the right context. The reason that I have the profession, my profession, my assurance, because of my faith. The reason that I know he is concerned about me and has sympathy for what's going to go through. Because of my faith, the reason I can come to the throne of grace and, and expect Him to provide what I need is faith. Now, what is faith? We've talked about this before and, uh, you know, over the years, I, I don't know how many preach, how many message, messages I heard dealing with the matter of faith. I don't know how many messages I preach dealing with the matter of faith, but there have been a lot. Because faith is the, 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 the foundation of who we are as believers. It's kind of the, 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 the bedrock of, of our belief system, our faith. That's, that's the, the beginning to it. Um, some people talk about faith as if it's a tangible entity. So we've got, we've got faith, and I've got possession of faith. Therefore, I am able to use it when I need it to get what I what I want from God. That's not true. No. Faith is not a is not a, a a currency that we keep in store until we have a need and then we go and spend it in God's bank to yeah. to get something more. That's not how it is. Faith is literally an expression of our trust. You know, we, we talk about well, Jesus talked about someone the, the guy who came, uh, his son was was dying, and and, uh, and he said, "Well, uh, I'll come." And, and, and he said, "No, no, Master, you don't need to come. All you need to do is speak the word, and it'll be fine." And Jesus said, I'm not seems some great thing, even mm-hmm. in all Israel." That wasn't talking about how much faith he had. It had everything to do with the fact that he was willing to exercise great faith. Uh, there are certain people, if I have a need with a car or something tangible that I have great faith in, they can take care of it. Some of those same people, if I've got a need with accounting or whatever, I wouldn't go to them. I'd go to somebody else because i better more faith than somebody else. No, a better example, maybe. I have great faith in elevators. I'll go into a building, get on an elevator, and I don't have any problem with that. I don't have so much faith in parachutes. Mm. I, I would not want to trust a parachute. Now, I'm sure they're fine, but my faith in parachutes is very, very small. So, that's a better illustration of what I'm talking about. Faith is an expression of your trust. And, uh, And then then, uh, the second thing is faith is the source of our spiritual vision. So here's here's a principle that I wrote down for for my grandkids to remember. And that is that faith is, is not a tool or a currency that we use to get what we want from God. Faith is the filter through which we view circumstances, every circumstance in our life, whether good or bad. We see it through the eyes of faith. So the point is, let me me say this. An unbeliever does not, is not able to see the light of the gospel until they look at it through the eyes of faith. Hmm. Faith is necessary for salvation. They don't understand any of it until they say, you know what, I believe God. I believe Christ has what I need to provide my salvation.
1: And when they see it through the eyes of faith, their eyes are
0: opened. And, uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the fact that spiritual truths are, are hidden. They're they're, you know, unsaved people can't see, but they're foolish in something. They can't understand them. Why? Because they don't have faith. They're not looking at it through the eyes of faith. Mm-hmm. So as we look at the circumstances we're dealing with right now, we need to see it through the eyes of faith. We look at it through the eyes of faith, which means that we understand who God is, and we can hold on to that assurance that we have, we understand that God knows who we are and where we are and what we're going through, and He has sympathy for us because He's He's been through some of the same kind of things. And then thirdly, because we can see through the eyes of faith, we understand that we can trust our God to give us grace to help during this time. Amen. I got up from my knees in that room in 1971, January 1971. And went about my business. As if I did not have a bill. Because I knew who my faith was in. I had a great high priest. And he was, he, he provided me that security. I had a great high priest who knew what I was going through. And I had a great high priest who said, I'll give you what you need to get through what you're dealing with. didn't have anything to do with money. It had everything to do with who my high priest was and who my high priest is today. Getting through this thing doesn't have anything to do with specific needs that we have. It has everything to do with how we see the one who is in control the one who is taking care of us. Amen. We trust Him and we pray to Him and He gives us what we need to accomplish His will as we yield ourselves to Him. Our problem is we... See what we think we need right now to get through. Uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. Let's be very honest. With you. When we first decided that we were not going to meet in this building, I wasn't really excited about that. I didn't like that idea. And I'm looking forward to the time when we can get back together. No, no question about that. But you know what? We've been doing it for seven weeks now, I think. And the Lord's still in control. And He's had all, all our needs taken care of us. And, uh, and somehow we're able to communicate. God's using that. And that's a wonderful thing. Don't ever get so focused on the challenges that you're dealing with that you forget to remember who it is that controls what's going on. That's looking at things to be eyes of faith. And when we do that, God gives us the grace that we need and the rest that will help us endure. rest in Him trust Him and, uh, and we'll get through all this Amen. and we do so with a good testimony. and that's it let's pray Father, we thank you again, Lord, it, it seems like I mean, we, we keep going over some of these things that we know are true, maybe a little bit <clears throat> the uh, the theme of all of this seems to be keeping our eyes on you, spending time with the Word of God, recognizing who you are, understanding what you, uh, what you, the, the promises you've given us, all those things are vital as we deal with what are very unique times, things that have, that have not happened in any of our lifetimes. In the past, any, any of us have, have, have uh, dealt with this kind of thing until now. And uh, Lord, it's especially important now that we keep our focus right and we remember who you are, what you've done, what you're going to do, and that we place our trust in you, understand that you'll give us the grace that we need. You may not have every specific thing that we want, but you'll give us the grace that we need and we can rest in you. I pray, Lord, that you help that be a comfort and encouragement to each of us as we do what's going on right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me encourage you to tune in again tonight, six o'clock. Uh, Pastor Had will be preaching. I'm looking forward to that. I've enjoyed getting to listen to him preach on Sunday nights. It's been a blessing and an encouragement. So, I hope you will uh, find me down tonight at 6 o'clock, and we'll look forward to that service. Uh, Meanwhile, have a good afternoon, and uh, much to see you